Hello, I'm Olivia Braffman and welcome to If She Can, I Can, the podcast that aims to edge all of us ambitious women that little bit closer to navigating how on earth we get the high-flying career we love and have kids without totally burning yourself out and challenges the role society thinks we're supposed to play in it all. How? By talking each week to inspiring women who have proven the statistic wrong and have done just that. Let's get into it. This episode, I am joined by Larissa Holmes. Canadian-born, Larissa is the biggest female cheerleader I have come across, having dedicated her career to support and lead the growth of women in underrepresented spaces using her various VP and C-level positions at two notable tech businesses over the past 15 years. Not just because it's the right thing to do for these women, but more diversity and equality helps businesses to thrive as a result. And I can't wait to dig into that more. Her passion Passion in this space comes from her own personal experience being a gay woman with three children. Larissa recently made her biggest and boldest career move to date, her own venture, having co-founded Cottery while pregnant, may I add, with her third child. Cottery is a tech business aiming to democratize private sports clubs and get more women into these spaces. I am itching to learn more and understand not only why, but why now? And when expecting a new baby, because that cannot be easy. She surely must be some kind of superhuman. Larissa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Olivia. I'm excited to chat. Awesome. So There's so much I can't wait to dig into here. And normally I start from the beginning. With you, I actually don't want to. With you, I want to start from the present because Cottery, the business you recently started is, well, seems like such a beautiful culmination of your own personal experiences and your career. And the timing of it, I think, says a lot about you as an individual. So there's so much I want to dig into starting from there, really. And kind of we can work backwards. So what is Cotterie and why did you make the move from, you know, big tech business, safety of employment and and everything else that comes with it to entrepreneurship and your own venture? Cotterie is really on on a really big, bold mission. We really want to address the social side of loneliness by improving longevity for women in the ways of bringing them actually physically together. And we think sport and hobby is a really key way to be able to do that, both for physical and mental wellness as well. There's a lot of companies out there that are dealing with the physical, you know, the health side and the biotech companies, and they're thinking about your sleep and what you're eating. But I think we often kind of forget about the social side and the impacts that that has on people's actual health. And there's been a lot of great research recently around the impacts of loneliness and how that can negatively impact people's longevity and how long they actually live. We have the lowest number of friends ever, which I think is a really sad statement, especially given uh, wow. you know, where we're at from a technology perspective, and we really should be able to actually bring people together more. So that's the big, bold mission of Coterie, and we're just getting started. That's what we're up to. And Wow. Um, I'm so surprised. We have the least number of friends now. Why? Do you think technology is just distracting us all from building genuine connection? Yeah, I think there's a superficial, right? Like a very surface level connection that people feel and a bit of an illusion around connection, right? That you're actually like have all these friends, but... What does that really translate to in terms of meaningful connections? How many people could you actually call if you were in a real pinch? I know you're a new mom and uh, you mentioned, you know, I have three kids and I think having kids, you know, there's so many things that come up 
randomly and you think about like, who are you going to call when you need somebody in that real pinch? Like who could you actually call to help you out? I think is a real statement of how many true friends people have. And at our age, it's maybe not as much of an issue, but you know, at Coterie, we're really thinking about women as they age and we're not dedicated only to our generation. We think a lot, and I personally think a lot about women age 50 plus and how that affects them once they're you know, at a very different stage of life. They're not as focused on their career. Their kids are grown up. Uh, how, do you, how do you make friends at that age? I find it difficult now and I'm in my 30s. So I can only imagine as you age, it does, the data shows it does get harder. And I know from my own personal experience that I definitely feel that. I always think that, when you know there are certain as you're growing up and you're younger there are lots of opportunities to make friends like you go to school you make friends or you go to university you make friends these natural milestones where you just kind of are flooded with new people and all those people are in the same situation as you so everyone wants to build connections and make friends and then as you get older there are just less of those opportunities to do that and I think actually it's really interesting particularly working from home where it's harder you know you maybe yeah. work is another opportunity but if you're a not working or B, you're working in kind of a solitary environment, how easy is it to kind of build those connections? So I think it's amazing what you're doing. We see sport and hobby as like a really key vertical because we're really particularly interested in like redefining that for women. There's been a lot of high barriers to entry and a lot of women don't necessarily identify as like an athlete, right? And so many of the activities that are actually good for women feel like it's very exclusive and it feels like a lot more towards men. Like we, we know the data, we know that building muscle mass and bone density as you age and get closer to menopause is really important. Things like weightlifting. But, you know, you talk to women and they're like, oh, no, I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to do Pilates. Like we've been very much marketed towards these like low impact exercises and things that don't necessarily help us as we age. And we're really interested in saying, hey, just get out and try. Just get out and play and bring back the fun and the social side and not make it so competitive and technical. But it's more about Mm. how do you get out and socialize and have fun and just try something. You don't have to be an expert at everything. I think a lot of times as women, we're taught, you know, you have to be perfect. You have to do it right. And that's when you're ready is only when you're doing something right. And I, we really want to disrupt that notion just to get more women out. That's so good. And also, even at a later stage, you kind of feel like, is can I try something new for the first time? You know, over a certain age, it feels like quite an intimidating prospect to do so. For sure. I want to get into why. Mm-hmm. you left big tech businesses, you've got the C-level title. That's, you know, for a lot of people, that's the kind of pinnacle, you know, you have big teams and mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're going, right, <laughs> grassroots, like I'm starting from scratch and building a business. You're also building your family at the same time. Talk me through the timing of why you wanted to make that move and why you made it at the time that you did. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea for Coterie came to me during the pandemic. I was working, you know, probably 16, 18 hour days. It was obviously a very difficult time for a lot of companies. We were not unique. Being an executive at a growing tech company, we were in uh, financial services, a very large Canadian tech company. And we also made an acquisition of a company and I led the integration of that. But, you know, there was definitely getting close to what felt like for the first time in my life, getting close to a bit of a burnout. I was exhausted and and tired. And it was actually my wife who said, you know, I think we need to get out of the house at the time we had two kids. She's like, we need to do something social. We need to do something fun. We need to like prioritize our own health. So it's a big kudos to her for sure, for kind of helping push me. I'm not always the best at like the self-care piece. 
And she said, let's go out and join a women's golf league. And we were raised very differently. I come from a single mother. I'm the youngest of three girls. We did not grow up with sport in our life. I would not consider myself athletic. Um, I fenced in university, which is a whole other podcast. It's a bit of a random sport, but oh, wow. I didn't really kind of consider myself athletic. It wasn't a label that I identified with, but she went to a private girls school. You know, they learned a ton of sports. Um, she was definitely would consider herself athletic. And so she said, let's get out and golf. And we did. And to make a long story short, we were golfing with a lot of women that were, you know, pre-retirement, as I call it, or retirement age and started hearing just the passion and the interests around more of a sense of community and wanting to get out and be with other women because it was more of a safe space. And they were starting to feel the physical benefits, the social benefits. And so I wanted to see if there was something real here. And so I flew down to Florida and then I went ultimately went to the Carolinas and did more user research and started reading more around this piece around longevity and you know social isolation and just kind of looking at the impacts and started to see that there's a real problem here that people generally as they age have fewer friends like we talked about and just putting all the pieces together about the barriers to entry and realizing that this was a bit of a gap in the market nobody was really addressing this problem and definitely not from a sport angle and bringing together a multi-sport platform to say you don't have to be an expert there are definitely products out there that focus on golf only for instance i think of myself and a lot of the women i talk to in user research they want to play golf a couple times a year you know they don't want to necessarily have the golfer label they just want to be good enough to have fun. They want to go out and play nine holes, walk, be social, be outside, be chatting. You know, there's not really these communities for people who don't necessarily want to become an expert. You want to dabble in a couple different sports and you want to stay active. So that's really where the idea came from. And I just got really kind of obsessed with it, to be honest. I know it sounds a bit cliche and a lot of people say, but I was thinking about it all the time. I was trying to do user research off the side of my desk, but I obviously had a really demanding job and two little kids. And it was a very hard decision for me to leave my job. I love and I still love the company. I'm, you know, still very much invested in it, still very close with the founders. And it was less of leaving something and more going towards something. I just couldn't get the idea out of my head. And so I thought there's never a good time to bet on yourself is definitely the advice that I got from people that I was close to that I respected. There's never a good time. So I thought, got to do it now. I'm not getting any younger. So um, <sighs> might as well take the leap. And obviously with the support of my wife and network, I'm very lucky that, you know, to be able to, to be doing this now. Mm. And you were pregnant at the time, like all of this happened at the same time. So was this timing planned? Yes and no. Obviously, you did mention, you know, I'm gay. And so obviously, family planning is a very much the emphasis on the planning. But I wasn't pregnant when I decided to leave and start Coterie, what it ultimately became Coterie. I didn't have a name for it then. I wasn't pregnant, but we were trying. And there was a lot of kind of bumps in that story. And it's not something, you know, I talk about a ton, but I think more people should. I had a miscarriage. And so we didn't think we were, it was going to happen. And so I thought, you know, now is the time to bet on myself. And then we had one last shot and we tried. And then I got pregnant and I had already made the decision. I had already resigned. The wheels were in motion. I was a month or two out from my last day, which we had already agreed on with the CEO and we'd been working really hard and I had a really long transition time. So, you know, the wheels were already in motion. And so it was like, okay, this is all happening at once. And that's life. You just kind of have to go with it. Wow. I mean, I love that because you're right. There's never a good time. And sometimes it's 
better when things just sort of happen to you and you're like well this is my situation so we're just gonna figure out how to make it work because that's what happens with everything else in life and you did it and you had a tough time (laughs) right like you had a tough pregnancy as well it certainly couldn't have been easy no you know with all the demands of a business plus what's going on with you physically yeah yeah I did I had uh I had a condition that's referred to as HG, hyperemesis. It can be quite a brutal condition. I was hospitalized several times. My last day at my company, you know, I remember talking with the CEO and I was literally on an IV pole at home. Like I had a home care nurse that had to come in every other day to give me IV fluids because I was severely dehydrated. I had lost something crazy, like 18% of my body weight in two months, two or three months. It was hard physically and emotionally and mentally, right? You kind of question all your decisions. You're obviously not in the perfect state of mind as well, but the plan was always, you know, that I was going to give myself a couple months and then kind of get into the business. So thankfully, I did have a bit of a buffer between kind of taking some time at the end of, you know, almost five years of scaling the previous tech company. And then I had a couple months and then I was so obviously I really could focus a bit more on my health before diving into the business. Well, God, you must look back and be like, oh, my God, I'm so proud having a, like no. got over everything that you did. I you not? Crazy. <laughs> no, I I'm proud of you. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> Hindsight's a beautiful it's thing. It's not a, I haven't yeah, known. I don't, I don't, maybe don't recommend it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it to others. That's, that's for sure. And of course you mentioned you've got, this was your third. Yeah. So you had two other children. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of work backwards a little bit. Postpartum after you had your first child, you moved to a new company, I think when your first child was three months old. Yeah. I know every country has a different kind of norm, if you want, of what's considered a reasonable time to dive back into work in Canada, which I think is where you were living at the time. Yeah. There's generally people take a year. Generally, would you say that's the kind of yeah, it's pretty much the norm, which is same same as UK. Yeah, it's generally twelve months. You have an option to kind of scale up as much as eighteen months, but the the kind of stand that's more recent. The standard is typically twelve. And so I want to I want to talk to obviously you made the decision to go back after three, and it's, it's such a personal. Mm-hmm. decision and I can only assume that you made that decision for the right company under the right circumstances you know what were those circumstances what were you thinking at the time like why did it feel right for you because I think there's so many question marks around like what is the right time and we're pressured either by businesses to go back earlier or by you know demands of children to go back later and why did that feel like the right thing to do for you it was really I had left the previous tech company I was at um, right before I gave birth to my to my daughter like our first child and I knew that that wasn't the right fit so I thought hey I'm lucky enough I'm in a position that it just wasn't good for me it wasn't good timing and so left and then ended up speaking at a conference and ultimately meeting one of the co-founders of the company that you know, we've referenced this whole time, a fintech company, and it was just such a good fit. I had pretty specific criteria, which I think as you get later in your career, you can, you become like you're equally interviewing 
the company as much as they're interviewing you, which is a privileged position to be in for sure. But I also think the way the world is moving, that that should be how it is at every level. I always encourage a lot of like my mentees and other folks, you know, to be asking critical questions, to be really evaluating if it's a good fit for them. And I knew it was a good fit. The co-founders both had children, so they understood some of the demands. The CEO is male and the co-founder COO is female and both were extremely supportive through the process too, down to the fact that obviously it was a very small tech company. It was just under 20 people when I joined and we even, you know, came to an agreement. I started part-time. That was one thing too, that made it a lot easier to kind of get back into it. So I started three days a week. I was breastfeeding, you know, they bought me a small little bar fridge. We turned one of these little rooms into also like a bit of a, it was kind of hilarious. You know, there's always a funny story of like a, a 20 year old that walked in on me pumping because the door didn't have a lock. And, you know, <laughs> him and I still laugh about it. We're still good friends and he's so young and he was so embarrassed. And I was like, whatever, this is not a big deal. I had my laptop open and I was still working while I was pumping in this like tiny little closet, basically. Um, and he just looked absolutely mortified, but we all kind of like still laugh about it. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that like, while they were small and it was scrappy and it's not perfect, but they made a real effort. And I think to me that, that showed, you know, I wasn't asking, you can't, you have to know, you know, size and stage of where you're going. And for me, you know, having an entire, you know, perfect nursing room was just not feasible. And that wasn't the type of company I wanted to join, but like, it was a huge thing that they, you know, they offered and they were very, they were proactive in saying, what do you need? Do you like, you know, are you breastfeeding? Do you need a fridge and this and that? And I was like, actually I am. And yeah, that would be great. And, you know, we made it work, but I think those were the the little signs, the little actions that this was the right fit for me that I was like, okay, you're going to get it. You're going to get some yeah. dreams. And I was really upfront that for me, it was really important to leave at five o'clock every day. You know, my daughter was in daycare and I wanted to spend that hour and you know hour with her before she went to bed by the time I picked her up you know we were in office culture back in back in those days <laughs> so I had to commute and you know get her and get home and do dinner and things like that and then I would sign back on after she was in bed and that was very much like understood and respected and I wasn't kind of penalized for that you know at a high growth tech company it's very atypical to see somebody especially senior walking out the door at five o'clock every day but we were very supportive of it and I knew it was the right the right place for me yeah and you did you agree all these things up front were you like I really love the company I really want to join here are my you know here, here's demand. what I need to make things work not in a demanding way but I think there are huge demands that you from you from your three month old at the time and so that has to be considered as part of your decision to work at the same time. Yeah, we did. We definitely talked about um, my, like, obviously the starting part-time because, you know, there was different kind of push and pulls. They said, you know, we want you to start immediately and this and that. And it was, it was definitely a negotiation. And I said, no, I need to defer, you know, I need another month. And so we waited. She was, I think she was closer to four months when I actually started. And then we said three days and the leaving at five was talked about ahead of time because I knew I had been at a tech company before and I had, you know, I knew the tech culture and I just said, I, I want to be upfront about this. And it's also, I think there's the practical implications, but there's the optics too, that I think people don't talk about enough, right? Like when people are like physically leaving a space or you see somebody that's like 
you know, coming and going at a time that works for them. I wanted to be really upfront and I wanted, you know, to say that that never stopped me from what needed to get done though. I'm a very realistic person and I think, you know, I kind of struggle with this concept of work-life balance. I think it's much more integration. And I also think for me, it was, I love what I do. So it wasn't like I wanted to clock in and clock out. You know, I've always loved what I do. I still love that company. I'm still very passionate about its mission. And I think for me, it was like, I always wanted to be involved in the things that I needed to be involved in. So it, you know, but I needed, I needed to have the these little chunks of time so that I felt like I was giving my best to the business too. Yeah. And look, you're right. It it shouldn't be that you've got these two separate lives that you can't kind of show one to the other. Like your kids can't see you ever work because you've got to be this present on mother all the time. And at work, you, you have to pretend you're not a mother and you're just like all in all the time. And that's just not reality. You have to find a way to make it work. And they come together. To be honest, I think, you know, it sounded like you had a really honest conversation and and they were really open to that. And I think that's really important. And clearly it worked out. And, you know, I'm I'm so pleased. Like it, that's awesome. I think managing expectations and communicating is like the biggest piece of advice I always give to folks. I'm like, no one can read your mind. And if they don't know that that's what you need to be successful, maybe it doesn't align with how they envision things. But if you don't tell them, you won't know. And it's always better to not surprise people is always my theory. I don't, um, I'm a big fan of no surprises. So I think for me, it was definitely as as things came up too, I was really transparent about it. You know, if it's like, oh, I need to take my, you know, daughter to the doctor. So at that time, we didn't have a strong work from home culture. You know, this is 2017. So I was like, I'm going to be working from home for the rest of the day. Like my daughter has a doctor's Mm. appointment in our neighborhood. It doesn't make sense for me to come back. So this is just so you know, I'll be back online as soon as she's done at the doctor's, but I'll be at home. And it was always just about being open and honest and transparent about what's happening. And then I think showing the strong work ethic that you're not kind of compromising one for another. Yeah. And I guess you never feel the resentment if you love what you do. And like, that's the key to it. Find a company where you love their mission. You love the work that you're doing and you'll make it work. In, in a better way because you'll never be resenting time away from your kids or you know you'll want to go back at, after three months and I think that that show when you then you obviously went on to have your second at the same company and by this point you're at a really senior level within that organization so what and we were bigger too which obviously like has more responsibilities like we were a much right. bigger scale how was that experience for you then going on to have your your second? Like always in life, it was a crazy time. We were raising our Series B at the time and I was due um, in early March. She didn't end up coming till kind of late March, but we were expecting to close the round in February. And so, you know, I had all these grand plans that I was like, oh, this would be perfect timing. We'll close the round. And then, you know, I can kind of do set things up that need to be for post-close and then you know, my, I had a team at the time and I was like, oh, everything will work out so well. <laughs> of course, that didn't happen. We didn't cl- close at the exact time. You know, there was, there's always, you know, extra time and things. So, you know, we were kind of at the final stages when I ended up giving birth and things were happening. And I just, I was really fortunate that, you know, especially as a chief people officer, I was very involved in the fundraise and I was really enjoying that part of my, my job as well. And I didn't want to let it go. So I made my own decisions, you know, talking with the CEO and we agreed that he's like, he was very supportive. He was like, whatever you want to do, Larissa, we were kind of taking it day by day. It was a running joke that I'd like Slack message him in the morning. And I was like, I'm not in labor. I'll be online. 
like, you know, because I was overdue and it was like every day we were like, what happened? And and then it was an even bigger joke that I gave birth on a Sunday. And he was like, that's so considerate of you. Like, we'll, you know, we'll chat tomorrow. <laughs> and it was like, it was a very funny, like, we, you know, we were very close and I ended up going to a board meeting six days later, which to be honest, it was, it was a bit of a thing internally. We tried to manage the message and we try, I tried to, you know, as many times as you say things as a leader, you kind of realize half your job is just communicating and repeating and repeating and repeating the same messages. And even is this the kind of like, this is my choice, but I don't expect you to be yeah, giving birth in, in, in work sure. six days and this was like we tried to like we said over and over and I said so many times you know when I showed up that like you know I sent out an email I said everything like this is my choice this is what I'm doing this is what works for me and even still we got a bit of pushback you know we had an ask uh, ask me anything that the executive team did um, pretty frequently and you know we got some comments and things about oh, is this what it takes to be a female executive at the company? And, you know, all these kind of uh, snide remarks about my choice. But, I, you know, we all you can do is kind of repeat the messages again and again and say, no, yeah. this is what I chose to do. And to what we've talked about, like, I was really enjoying this part of my job and I didn't want to not be part of it. I, you know, and I was also very fortunate. If you've worked into the runway to get to that point, I guess you're like, I don't want to miss the final. Yeah. And I, and I was fortunate enough that, you know, I had pretty fine delivery and everything was fine. And we were a small company. I brought my daughter, you know, in the stroller and her pram into the board meeting and, you know, she slept through half of it. And my assistant took care of her for the other half. And, you know, it was like, it was just, I was kind of like, well, I'm going to be sitting here or sitting at home. And I really wanted to be part of it. And I think I've always had a bit of a, a big problem with FOMO. And, you know, I didn't want to miss out. And and for me, I'm, I'm still very, very happy that I made that decision. And I learned a ton and I got to be part of it. And it was the right thing for me. And it's what makes me a better mom is having a bit of a split, keeping my working brain going and having that adult interaction. And then also having time with my kids. Yeah. How did it make you feel when you kind of see or hear people more junior than you say, or is this what it takes? And because I think there is general, even though it was your decision, there is always this pressure and general message in society of like what's expected of, of women, particularly the pressures with those with children. You know, how do they get to the top while they've got all these kind of personal demands at home? And how do you deal with that? Because I'm six weeks postpartum now. I'm feeling the guilt just doing a podcast because... I, people are like you're already taking time away from your child I'm like oh my gosh he's literally next door my mom's there I've got the child care. like I'm trying to make it work but this is really important to me and I love doing this and I don't want to give it up but you get this natural guilt because people are like oh huh you're doing that like I wasn't doing anything work related until you know insert random amount of time like how does it make you feel when you hear that from people it listen I'm human <laughs> it was definitely like it definitely, you know, didn't feel great. And I remember, I remember the conversation even between the CEO and I about, you know, when those questions came in and, and he was great. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't back working full time after six days, you know, I went to that board meeting and then we decided I would work two days a week, one of them from home, one from the office. It was very like, it was all my decision. I was driving it. And when those questions came in, you know, he was great. He gave me a heads up. He's like, I, I know this wasn't one of the things you wanted to take back, but I want to give you a heads up that this is what's kind of being talked about. I don't want you to think we're not telling you, especially when it's something that's 
clearly about you and very personal. And I decided I wanted to attend that Ask Me Anything, where we went through the questions and publicly answered myself. And the like the joke about, you know, I had to bring my daughter to it. And I ended up like she started fussing and I ended up like nursing her in front of almost 100 people. Like we were 100, almost 100 people, I think, at that time, 80 or 100 people or something like it wasn't a 20 person company anymore, you know, and I had I just put on my cover and ended up like nursing her, answering and being like, this is my life. Like, this is how I do life. You do not have to do it the same. And I think it always, you know, there's a part of me that always, you know, kind of is reflective when people say things like that. But ultimately, I'm like, no, I I know my intentions. And I just need to be better at communicating it again, you know, say it again, for, louder for the people in the back, that this was my choice. And this is why I do things. I think we all have to make decisions. And I always respect I'm like, People who are full-time moms, I'm like, that's a job. Like, it's a it's a very full-time job, you know, and I'm 100% supportive of whatever people want to do. And I completely get all sides of the coin, I think. We're mm. all different, and that's what kind of makes the world work. But it's hard when people do judge, for sure. Yeah. It was harder with the first. I think maybe I'm <laughs> a bit desensitized now that it's my third. And people have always had comments. I've, you know, I've heard from my friends. I've heard from my own mom. My own mom was like, why are you going back to work? That's insane. Like, you know, you need to be resting and doing these things. And I'm like, that's not me. Like, that's what worked for you. And I can appreciate that. But my comment is like, you know, especially the people that are close to me, I'm like, I appreciate, you know, your perspective, but that's not helpful to me. Just so you know. Yeah. Like, that, that's not really helpful. You're so right. I think the ability to reflect and, and really know yourself, because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we do things because we are pressured by society. And sometimes we do things because we know ourselves and we know what is right for us to sort of maintain who you are mm-hmm. and really knowing where the, where the difference is. Because yeah. I've definitely done things out of kind of pressure from other people. When after I gave birth, I had a C-section and I think I was out like four days later going for walks because I go crazy staying inside. Yeah. Completely crazy. So I'm outside and people are like, oh, how old is he? And I'm like, three days, four <laughs> days. And people are like, you're crazy like why would you be out now and I'm like oh my god the first time I literally rushed home because I was like I didn't realize I was supposed to be indoors better do what everyone's telling me to do and then I'm like oh but this is really important for me and I think we're so guided by society sometimes you don't realize what is your decision versus the pressure and that's really the key like sometimes you do rush back to work because you feel like your job's at stake if you don't or you're gonna, you know, um, you won't advance as quickly or whatever it might be. That wasn't that wasn't the case. That was not for you. Not my situation at all. Um, I completely agree with you that there's there's definitely a difference. But I also think, you know, we're all adults, and that's our own responsibility to learn who you are and learn what you're doing and what your intentions are and why. So I think it is a bit of not kind of playing the victim too. Like we, you know, we have to kind of stand up for ourselves. And I think there's also, there's lots of momentum in our society about saying, you know, whatever you pick is right. And that's what works for you. So I think like, if you're at an organization that's pressuring you, like it might not be a good fit. Maybe maternity time is a great time to do some self-reflection. You know, while you're sitting with your baby, you can also be thinking about where else you'd like to work. Yeah. But it's, I do think it's a very personal decision at the end of the day. Yeah, of course. And you've, a personal passion of yours and something that you've worked towards and still do now is advancing women, particularly in underrepresented spaces. 
for various reasons. Why is that important to you? I guess, particularly from the perspective of now running your own company, why is that important, do you think, for, for businesses to really think about? Yeah, I mean, I think, so there's obviously lots of angles to this, like on the the personal and professional side. I've seen a lot, I've experienced a lot. I was raised financially insecure. There was tons of love, but there was not a lot of money. Um, And I think there's many parts to my identity. There's like, for sure, the female side, there's the gay side, there's, you know, I was... uh, Again, not being raised, being raised, I always like hesitate to use the word poor, but like financially not well off is a big part of my identity too. And is a big part of like my hustle and drive. And I have a chip on my shoulder for sure is knowing what it's like to not have money and the, and the freedom that money brings. So there's lots of parts to my identity, but I think I've always been very passionate about the side of women because I think that there is still very as much as we've moved towards like an awareness around equality, I don't think the actions have translated as much in the workplace or in the world. It's now kind of pushed below the surface. And I think there's a lot of unconscious misogyny and unconscious bias and, and the way things are done. So I've been very passionate about it. And so I think Coterie is really like, you know, an evolution of what I've been kind of working towards in in different ways, you know, whether it was hiring, and I was very proud of our representation of women in the companies that I've held senior positions at, because it was something that, you know, I, I was very intentional about and created teams that were very intentional around like hiring women, hiring underrepresented folks across a number of different areas, you know, hiring newcomers, we were very proud to be people's first jobs in Canada. That wasn't like a a knock on them. You know, there's lots of areas that I've just always felt like I am very passionate. I've always been passionate about the underdog. I was like last picked in gym class. You know, I, I was that kid. I was the kid that people thought wouldn't succeed. And that's always fueled me, to be honest. A big part of a lot of the successes has been the chip on my shoulder and saying, I'm going to prove you wrong. I can relate to that. I was that person too. <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely my drive too. I'm like, I will prove everyone wrong. And even though I'm like, none of these people are really like even thinking about me and where I've been no. to, but it's my drive. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> like I will show them. <laughs> and I, you know, I mean, maybe it's not the most positive, but I don't think it's the worst either. You know, being raised with no money, you know what it takes, the hustle, the grit. I think now my wife and I talk a lot about it as parents. Like, how are we going to instill that grit when our kids are not going to be raised the same way as me? They're going to, you know, they're living a very different life because we've worked really, really hard that they don't have to have some of those struggles. But how do you instill the good parts of that too? Like the hustle, the drive, the determination, right? I was the only person in my cohort at Deloitte to be hired without an MBA. Like I had a master's degree, but I didn't have an MBA. And a huge part of that was because I had a champion. You know, I was working at a nonprofit before that, and I was at a senior level there. And one of our board members, she was like, you know, you're doing such phenomenal work, but she's like, I think you can like stretch even further. And she was a partner. She was very senior at Deloitte. And she said, I think you should come over to Deloitte. And she's like, it's a crazy interview process. I didn't even know what a management consultant was. I was like, that's just so outside my world. You know, I was raised, my mom was an elementary school teacher and, you know, I did an undergrad in art history. And then I went, you know, to the University of Manchester and did a museology degree. Like this was like, so it wasn't the obvious, it was not like, the obvious <laughs> route to management consultancy. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, what? Delight? You know, literally Googling as she's like on the phone with me being like, I know this is like a little unorthodox because I'm a board member and we want to retain you here. But she's like, I really do think you have 
great potential somewhere else. And without her, I don't know where my career would be. Because Deloitte was like a massive She was a catalyst. Yeah. Deloitte was a massive turning point for me. Um, I had held senior jobs, but... What was she seeing in the non-MBA, non-traditional background person that said, you need to come over here? I can't, I obviously can't speak for her, um, but, you know, we have kind of talked loosely about it. And I think she saw a lot of herself, to be honest. I think she saw the grit. She saw the drive. I've, I've always had, like, a very, um, very you know, high work ethic. I've always been a very hard worker. I've worked since I was 14. Um, often, you know, multiple jobs at the same time, you know, in my twenties and things like that. When I lived in Scotland, I moved to Scotland and I uh, was working three jobs for six months. You know, I slept four hours a day. It was, I've always just like been very passionate about working and I love people. And I think she saw a lot of that. And I think management consulting is, you know, as much strategy as it is sales. And there's a huge element that I think there she saw like my ability to connect with people and to, you know, connect with them quickly and read people really well was was a skill set that, you know, they can't teach you through your MBA. And something you said earlier reminded me, if you haven't grown up with tons of money, but then you you become successful and and gain kind of a lot of financial stability yourself through your career and then you go on to have children someone once said I want to be wealthy but I don't want my kids to grow up mm-hmm. wealthy someone said that to me because it's sort of if you've grown up with that hustle because you've had to you've then worked really hard so your kids don't have to but you still want them to have that same ethic that you've got because look how far it's got you and it's this really difficult thing to do because you've clearly been successful but how do your kids kind of realize the value of money and, and how much hard work goes into yeah. all the nice things that you might have around you or mm-hmm. the nice holidays you might go on or whatever it is. Yeah. It's so tough. Yeah, it's tough. But I think it's also for us, we've been really intentional. We talk to our kids a lot about our jobs. You know, my wife is a CEO as well. And so we both have really big jobs and we both love what we do. And we're really intentional with like sitting around, especially now that our kids are a bit older, you know, we have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and then obviously the baby doesn't understand yet, but we talk about our days and we talk about how much we love what we're doing. And we talk about, you know, I'm mama and she's mom. And so we're like, mama started her own company. And, you know, they'll ask me about coterie and and the kids are really involved in sports. And, you know, I think it's so important. The two older ones are girls. And so, you know, I think a lot of times parenting is kind of doing things, you know, that and creating childhood that you wish you kind of had. And, (laughs) you know, I, never was involved in sport. And I think there's a lot of opportunity professionally and personally and a lot of rewards it brings you, right? So we've got our kids, you know, in a ton of different sports. So it all kind of comes together, right? That we talk positively about work too. I think oftentimes kids grow up hearing the negative sides of their parents' jobs or the disgruntled pieces, right? But for us, it's really important that we talk about all the positives and how much we enjoy going to work. And there's not the Sunday blues. It's like, oh, we're excited for the week ahead. What, you know, what are you guys going to do at school? This is what moms are going to do at work. And that's how we kind of reframe. If you're at home, what you're doing is much more visible to them. Yeah. Are you working from home now? I do. Do you... Yeah. And okay. So, so I guess they're seeing things. <laughs> yeah. They pop in on meetings. You know, there'll be times as much as you try to manage it. We're really lucky. We um, we have, you know, a full-time nanny and, and she's really part of our family. And I hesitate to use the word nanny. She's just Joe. She's part of the family. And, you know, she knows where I work and tries to keep the girls out. But at the same time, you know, this is my life. And I've been on investor calls, you know, with Coterie and 
Avery, my oldest, will pop up and she pops into the frame and she's like, hi, mama. And I'm like, sorry, just give me one second. I, you know, I just need 10 seconds. This is life, you know. A lot of people in my world also have kids, though, too, right? So it's not the same taboo as as it probably was, you know, four years ago. I think now everybody gets that people are working from home and my daughter wants to pop up and tell me 10 seconds of her day from school. It's not the end of the world. No, exactly. And you mentioned your wife is also a CEO. So this I find fascinating. You've got two really ambitious people and you've got three kids at home and that's no small undertaking. And you mentioned you've got a full-time nanny. So obviously mm-hmm. that's a big part in like how you make things work between you. But I'm, how, what was the conversation? You know, cause you mentioned when you were with your previous company, you're having a conversation with them saying, look, I'm going to finish it at five because, you know, I'm, I need to pick up from nursery or I need to, you know, do dinner or whatever it might be. What's the conversation between you and your wife in terms of how you're dividing and conquering to kind of make things work? Is one of you prioritizing your career at any one time? Or, you know, what what is that conversation? Because I'm always fascinated it's with, a tough with it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very tough one, to be honest. Um, we don't have it perfect. It's honestly, it's week by week. We try to sit down and kind of organize calendars on Sundays to say, you know, what's going on personally as well. With three kids, there's a ton. You know, there's, it's not just their activities, it's doctor's appointments, it's eye exams, it's dentist appointments, it's honestly, the list goes on and on of things that kind of need to get done. And as much as Joe is a huge part of the way things work, our, you know, our nanny, and she's part of the family. And we joke that our, our kids have multiple moms, um, we're very close with one of my sisters, you know, she's eight houses down, it's, it really takes a village. Know. You know, and I think I credit, you know, a lot to my sister as well. She's very involved and engaged and helpful. And she's, you know, we call it an emergency. Like we talked about at the beginning of this chat. Like, I think there's, it really does take a village. And my wife and I don't have it down perfectly. It's very hard. I'm always very honest about that. I think we both joke to each other that we understand why, you know, people, and especially the way I always say, like straight couples that like, sometimes people just want, you know, the opposite, like that we, I totally get why some people are like, oh, I just want, you know, I want to have a wife who doesn't want to work. I'm like, it is a lot easier in many ways than the constant negotiation of like, well, I have to travel this week. I'm going to be, you know, I'm away for work. You know, we both travel a bit too for work. She travels more than I do now at this stage of the stage of my company, but um, it's, it's a constant negotiation and back and forth for sure. Yeah. I think it always is. And it's ever changing and ever evolving. Your kids have different needs and requirements as they get older. Yeah. And, you know, from babies to school to, you know, beyond that, it, it it's ever changing, I'm sure. And I think people's careers also need to be prioritized for different reasons at different times as well. Yeah. And often there's, you know, there's a bit of change every now and again, depending on, you know, what's happening in yeah. any, anyone's lives. I'm always interested because I think it's the easiest thing in the world if if one person's career naturally should be prioritized for whatever reason. But when you've got two yeah. really ambitious people with big missions and, and goals ahead, what do you do? And if you um, find the secret sauce, please let me know. <laughs> I will. I definitely, anyone, I definitely haven't. Yeah. Or, or anyone <laughs> but if to, anyone does, let me know. Send it my way. Yeah, I think. Always open I think there'll that. be lot. I think there'll be lots of people that are like, yeah, I'll sign up for needing to know that too. I think it's always just realizing that it's always going to change and that you just have to keep communicating, right? It is like a bit of, you know, your 
running your own family business, right? Like your own, your own family company um, as well. So I think there is just a lot of communication. And like you said, it changes as the kids age, they need different things. So you kind of have to flex with that too. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's so true. I have all that to look forward to. Yeah. Even with one, I'm like, I'm trying to try to organize just the, the most simple thing feels huge. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm on maternity leave. I'm not full-time working yet. So mm-hmm. anyway, all that to look forward to. You'll get there. I want to finish on a bit of a reflective note with you, Larissa, in, in terms of you looking back, you've already had an amazing career and, and no doubt have big plans of what's ahead for you. What is the future? What are you planning? What does the future look like? What are your kind of big goals ahead for you kind of personally, professionally as you look forward? Yeah, I mean, we're really excited about Coterie and the growth that we have. We're excited to scale and and take this you know company to being much bigger than it is today. We're beta testing. It's still very early days for us. We're just a year old. And so my co-founder and I, you know, are really excited to see the impact that we can have and how we can help women to find a sense of community and help redefine what it means to be kind of sporty and athletic and, and get more women out trying activities and socializing and improving their mental and physical health. So I think Coterie is my big focus for sure. And I'm, I'm really excited about the impact that it has. And I think, you know, a big part of my motivation is my own kids and family, right? Like I have two little girls. I want things to be different for them. I want them to feel more included, to have more opportunity and to be able to feel that they can say yes to these types of sport and hobbies and and feel that there's a place for them. And as you reflect on your decision to make the big jump from big company to starting your own and, you know, the world of startup and entrepreneurship, as you look back, do you still feel like you made the right decision? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) For all the people that have that big burgeoning desire and haven't made the jump, like, how do you reflect on it now you've you've done it? I mean, it's incredible. You know, whenever I take any of those personality tests or any of Myers-Briggs or any of the Enneagram, everything comes back with like a, a strong learning, a passion for learning. I'm like a lifelong learner. So for me, you know, it's a big learning curve being a founder. There's lots that I'm getting wrong, but it's so rewarding. It's so interesting. I'm getting to do so many more things. That was one of the things I loved about management consulting too. You know, you're moving different projects you're doing different things but being a founder you just have such a high sense of ownership I'm so mission driven as a person and so it's amazing I think the one piece of advice is I would not recommend doing it while having a baby I wouldn't recommend doing it while pregnant and baby then six months postpartum I'd probably give yourself six months it's a big undertaking I think that was you know was a bit of a misstep on my own part but hindsight's 2020 you never know these things but no it's a thousand percent I'm happy with my decision oh incredible well listen thank you so much for sharing your story and so many learnings generally you know from you and and everything you you've been through to get to where you are and everything you're doing not just to kind of start your own business but to start one with such a powerful mission that ultimately has the power to help so many people and as the non-sporty person who (laughs) you know still is pretty terrified to try things like I love the idea that there's a safe space to do it you know for now and you know as as women get older so thank you for what you're doing and so much luck with it I can't wait to see what happens thank you thanks Olivia thank you so much for listening if you liked this episode please don't forget to leave me a quick review and subscribe it helps us reach a bigger audience of women more than you know and 
If there is an awesome individual who needs to share their story on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. My details are in the description below. I will see you next week.